hello everyone and uh, good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone. Um, you know what a beautiful day this is turning out to be and uh, just so excited to be able to gather in his house and uh, be reminded of his goodness and uh, be able to set this time aside. Um, uh, last weekend we launched into this series called Wisdom for Living. Our lead pastor, Pastor Terry, uh, launched us into this series in which we're, what we're seeking to do is try to figure out how to connect uh, all the promises that Jesus offers us, not only for the life to come, but specifically for the life that we're living out right now. What it might look like for us to apply what he has promised uh, to us, what he is seeking to do in our lives, and, and how that might work out. And we're, we're looking to see if we can glean some wisdom for our daily lives. And so um, I'm going to get to share on that. For those of you who may not know, um, my name is Louis Menjavar. I'm the Young Adults Pastor. I'm also Associate Teaching Pastor. And uh, I'd like to push into this idea, this series, with the idea that uh, the wise live rooted and grounded. Um, that there's something in that, I think, for us this weekend. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, ask for his blessing over the remainder of our time. We've sung songs. We got to hear about the exciting things going on this month. Um, but um, if you wouldn't mind joining me, I'd love to pray for his blessing over this word. So, Lord, we just, uh, we just thank you, God, on this uh, new morning of the beginning of a new week that you have uh, given us the opportunity to gather in your house and, in, in a way, put a pause on our lives so that we can consider what you may want to say to us, to consider your ways, God. And so many times your ways, they call us to consider things beyond the surface. And they call us to the deeper places of our lives, to the root systems and the foundations of who we are. And it's in, in that place, God, that oftentimes you, you want to draw our attention. And to show us how to, how to be more grounded and rooted in you. And so I pray that you would do that. That as we consider your word, that you would highlight, maybe emphasize, press in on certain areas within us. That, that you would help us give you access, God. And that your spirit would develop something of a personal word for us in our time here. We... Uh, we, we thank you, God, for your presence and your love that we have already sung about and celebrated. And we pray that you would remain here, that you would bless this time, and that you would speak to us. Bless your word. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The wise live rooted and grounded in his love. And this idea, this idea of living out of a place, of, of, of foundation of his love, of learning how to live out of this base, is an idea that uh, kind of actually provoked um, a memory of mine that I had a couple years ago in which I, I did not operate out of that place of love. And I thought I'd share it with you because I think it illustrates somewhat what, what it showed to me at least was what I was actually operating out of. And I'm hoping we can see that it's actually not that simple, not that easy to be rooted and grounded in his love. And it's there that God may want to speak to us. This, this was a, about two years ago in which... Um, it was a winter month, and I remember driving home, and it was uh, darker earlier, and it was around 7 o'clock. The sun had already gone down. Uh, the moon wasn't out, and so it just felt like one of those darker nights. And in our area of the city, it tends to be a little bit foggier anyway. And I remember getting, getting to my house at night, and um, usually I park a little bit uh, down from my house, and there was a car there filled with four guys in the car, loud music and laughter and everything, and they just was kind of sounded loud. And I remember just thinking, oh, that's kind of curious, you know, that's usually my spot. But uh, <laughs> I saw a spot in front of them open, and so I went ahead and pulled up and, and backed up and uh, turned off the car, and as I opened the door, I heard four doors open up. 
And I grabbed my bag and, and I got out of the car and I pulled out of the car and as I closed the door, I distinctly remember four other doors closing. And then I heard these deep, loud voices. And I, I just remember sensing, just not looking behind me, I remember sensing these four guys walking in the street and it felt like they were making their way towards me. And immediately something in me felt afraid, a bit threatened. And just so you understand maybe where this might be coming from, see, I, I grew up in a junior high and high school experience that for whatever reason, it seemed to me at least to have a lot of fights. There was some gang activity. There was all those things going on. And I remember in sixth grade um, seeing this for the first time. I remember I was, I'm an only child, and so I didn't have siblings to wrestle with and fight with. And so I remember the first time in sixth grade seeing two guys start bantering back and forth. And I thought they were joking around, and it turned into an actual fist fight. And I remember one of the, one of the kids walking away with a bloody nose, and nobody did anything, and everyone just watched. And, and it struck me as kind of scary, right? And I started seeing this, and this was kind of just the first couple months in my junior high experience. And I, I tended to be a bit smaller uh, than the rest. Uh, people had already beards and stuff, it was weird. But I remember <laughs> just feeling very afraid. And I started noticing this trend that those who were aggressive when they got picked on, they got left alone. But those who weren't able to defend themselves, it was almost like they, 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 they were picked on more and more. And so I started adopting this belief that when threatened, be aggressive. And I remember going through my junior high years, uh, just grabbing onto that. When I feel threatened, be aggressive, you will be left alone. And I remember moving into my high school years in which things got a little bit intense. The guys got a little bit stronger. Things got a little bit more serious. And um, I remember seeing this all play out different fights, different things, always tension. It was, it was an odd experience for me, at least. And except for this one night, I was walking home, and I was uh, not really feeling um, totally vigilant or anything. And I remember just walking home, listening to music, making my way to actually a different place. And as I was making my way, this car pulled up to my left, and two guys got out of the car. And they were a little bit bigger than me. And I remember just walk, them walking around the car and walking towards me. And I just assumed the best of them, smiled at them, nodded at them, and just kept walking. And, and they didn't smile back. And, and it turns out that the next thing I, I, I felt was a fist just hitting my face. And the next thing I know is I remember just being on the floor and I feel feet just kicking. And I hear them demanding for the, me to give me, them all of my stuff. And I remember just sitting there, just saying, just, yeah, man, just, just take whatever you want. And I remember they just grabbing my bag and all my stuff and getting in the car and driving away. And it was a couple minutes later that it just stopped. An enormous amount of fear just overcame me. And I remember as I stood up, I, I, I started actually getting more upset and had this traumatic experience. And as I was walking, it almost solidified. I should have been aggressive. When threatened, be aggressive. And as I was moving, this, this event, this experience ended up putting something into me. It affected me deeply into who I was. And it actually ended up shifting things. It shaped how I operated from that moment forward. And so two years ago, 
I remember sitting there, standing, and I hear the four doors close behind me, and I hear these loud voices, these deeper, manly-sounding voices, and I feel threatened, and immediately I think to myself, I need to do something, and, and a, a couple thoughts go through my mind based out of this place. One, I'm about to get robbed. And I remember just thinking this, rapid fire. Two, I'm about to get robbed in front of my house. That's not good. Three, my wife is inside. And then th this is where fear just becomes illogical, doesn't it? Because then I thought, they're not only going to rob me personally. They know I live here. They're going to go in my house. They're going to take everything from my house. Yeah, I know that sounds like, well, how would they even know that? They, they didn't. They wouldn't. But in, in my place, that's everything that was going on. And then lastly, I thought, I feel threatened. I must be aggressive. And so I decided... I would. I would act. And before I tell you what I did, um, <laughs> let me just establish something. that Whenever we behave out of a place that is not grounded in God's love, can we just agree? It's usually not the smartest. It's usually not the wisest behavior. It's, it's, those kind of actions aren't actions we look back on and say, man, that was actually really smart, you know? <laughs> like, I'm glad I did that, right? It's quite the opposite, isn't it? So we could just agree that was not the case here. That I was, it was not the wisest move. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to strike first. And I grabbed my bag, and in just in several seconds, this happened, and they're getting a little closer. I decided I would just quickly turn around. And so I remember just quickly turning around, crouching down, looking at all of them, measuring up who's going to go first. And, and I just remember staring at them, all of them, and, and they immediately stopped talking. They all jumped back. <laughs> they stop in their tracks. They turn left. They stop walking towards me, and they start making their way across the street. <laughs> then they cross the sidewalk across the street. They walk up the steps in the house directly across from mine. They pull out their keys. They open the door. They go inside the house. They come to the front of the house, and they look outside through the blinds. And, <laughs> And it turned out these were my neighbors. <laughs> Four college students renting the house across the street from me. We lived near a university. And I remember just sitting there staring at them, so filled with adrenaline and a lot of embarrassment. And I remember realizing and recognizing the mistake I had just made and thought, I better go inside and turned around. And they just kept watching me, you know? It's like. <laughs> I went up the stairs, opened the door, looked off slightly to the side, and they were there watching. And I remember going in the house, and my wife is, you know, peaceful inside. And I remember sitting down and saying, honey, you won't believe what just happened. And she's like, wow, you look pretty charged up. What's going on? And, and as I started telling her, I remember her, the kind of the look on her face turned from, you know, intrigue to deep concern. And, and as she was listening, I remember her saying a couple things. Honey, you can't do that. <laughs> um, you're a pastor, okay? <laughs> and they're college students. You're a young adult pastor. <laughs> I, this isn't good, all right? You got to stop that. Something's going on. What's, what's going on with you? What, you're so paranoid, right? And I remember just sitting there and hearing her, but off in the distance because everything in my mind was foggy. And I was so filled with all kinds of things. 
that we're charging. And I share that. Because so many of us may have different experiences in our lives that shape us. Moments that become a part of who we are. Maybe they're traumatic. Maybe they're wounds. Maybe they're other situations in our lives that have ingrained something into us. And if we're not careful, if left unaddressed, there will be situations in our lives that will cause us to drop back into that place of moving out of. Scripts that are written because of certain things that have happened Certain ways of interpreting events all around us because of what has happened has not been addressed. Our root systems and the foundations, the deepest parts of who we are, end up dropping us back into a mindset that is altogether disconnected from the love of God. And it's there in those places in the below-the-surface areas of our lives, that God, if you could hear this, longs to give us wisdom to learn how to root ourselves and ground ourselves in his love. That he longs to do an internal, transformative work. He's so much more concerned about what's inside rather than what we get hung up on. And it's this idea that the Apostle Paul was trying to convey to this group of believers in this town, in this city called Ephesus. And he wrote this letter called Ephesians. And if you open up your handout, I thought we could just walk through a portion of it. And it, it just kind of in a, in a capsized way, this, 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 this letter is really meant for him in whom he spent a good deal amount of time with them. He, he's trying to say, listen, now that you know Jesus, that is now the, the, the entirety of your identification. Your identity is now found in him. And, let, and he writes several chapters about just speaking about everything Jesus has done for us and all the great news that God has given us the ability to have a relationship with him because of what Jesus has bared on himself. And this is now to be the frame of reference by which we look at ourselves and we look at everything else around us. And he says, because of this great news, I pray for you a certain way. And I thought we could walk through what his prayer is. If, if you just read with me together, we're told in verse 14, he says, for this reason, for this great news of Jesus, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. That according to the one who created and identified all who are named, according to him, I pray that he would give your inner being, he says, power through his spirit so that verse 17 Christ may dwell in your hearts so that this would be an interior life dwell in your hearts through faith that you and there it is being rooted and grounded in his love I pray that you would not just assume that what you're building your life on is his love. I pray that more and more he would teach you. He would give you the wisdom to learn how to root yourself, which speaks of what? A tree, plant life, 
speaks of a system that goes into the soil and, and gathers nutrients for it to live and be able to bear fruit. He says, I pray that your heart, your inner life may, may find a way, may, may apply God's wisdom to, to, to root yourself in him. And, and grounded, which speaks to what? It speaks to a foundation of a building. That your life, what everyone else sees, that the building itself may be founded and grounded on what he has done for you, for us. That is my prayer, he says. And if that's the case, he says in verse 18, he says, Looks, that he may give you strength, that once we are rooted and grounded, we may find ourselves having strength to comprehend with all the saints. That is just another way of saying all those who call on Jesus. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of his love? That we, as we get to know Jesus more and more, may start to expand our ability to comprehend that his love, it truly, it is not an overstatement, knows no bounds. That that may become our point of strength. He says that you may be filled. Listen, and, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that goes beyond intellectual capacities, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, that this, this faith of ours is meant to go beyond what we may believe in our minds and infiltrate into the depths of who we are, that our lives may be wholehearted, that we may be full in God. That is my prayer, he says. That is my prayer, that God would do something wonderful inside of you. That he would root you and ground you. And almost as if, uh, considering the possibility that someone receiving this letter might think to themselves, maybe for others, but not for me. He says, listen, in verse 20, he says, now, now to him who is able, let's remember who we're talking about. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. He's the one we're talking about here. So he is able to do this according to the power at work within us. This is, this is what he longs to do, a work inside of us. To him be the glory in the church, all those who celebrate his name, and in Jesus, Christ Jesus, the king, throughout all generations, which, by the way, includes you and I forever and ever. May this be the case. May all the generations root and ground themselves in his love, and may this do a wonderful thing in our midst. He says, amen. May this, may this be so. May it be so. And what a wonderful prayer Paul shared. One that I believe he prayed not only for the believers in Ephesus, but those of us even now who are reading these words and considering what they might look like in our own lives. The wise live rooted and grounded in his love. And I'd like us in the kind of remaining moments we have here together to consider what this might look like for us and what his prayer calls us to, what the wisdom of his prayer calls us to. Firstly, I'd like to suggest that wisdom calls us to learn how to nourish our soul in his love, in the love of Jesus. 
that his prayer calls us to learn how to nourish our soul. In the same way, it's almost like he's saying, listen, think about a tree and the root systems that go underneath the ground and it gathers nutrients from the soil and the, the different environment in which it places itself. And it goes and it flourishes and it feeds the rest of the tree. Everything that everyone sees is nourished based on the root systems. He says, okay, now think about that. Now, here's the deal. It's not dependent on your environment. May your roots, he says, go down into the deepest places of Jesus' love. Despite the environment we might find ourselves, may our roots go deep into the heart of God, expressed through his son, Jesus. And may that love start nourishing us in the depths of who we are. And that will transform what shows up everywhere else. It, 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 it reminds me of a common theme Jesus had throughout the Gospels in which he would say, listen, if, if you know the tree by its fruit, he would say. He said, you look at the fruit. If the fruit is good, then the tree is good. What was he saying? The root system is good. It, it, it's, in, it's feeding itself well. But if the fruit is bad, then the, the tree is bad. And, and all the while, it's almost, what was he saying? He was saying, listen, if you want to address the fruit, the externals, the behavior, wisdom says, okay, let's go a different path. Let's look at the root. If you want to address the fruit, Examine the root. Because so much of what he was trying to communicate was that we get so hung up on what everyone else sees. And God's wisdom calls us to look into the places that only we and he sees. And it's there that we learn how to nourish ourselves in his love, in those places, in the, in the different places that call us back drop us back into these mindsets. There, God longs us to be prayerful. To, to, what does that speak of? That speaks of drawing, remaining close to him through his word. It speaks of not just allocating certain kind of time to prayerfully consider him, but to live a life that is continually praying throughout our day. Lord, would you fill this moment? Lord, would you fill my soul right now? In these places, would you be the one who I am feeding from? It, it speaks of a relationship. It speaks of a relationship that increasingly starts to identify the core of who we are. And his love is able to heal our wounds, redefine the different things that have happened, and transform the fruit we produce. The wise are rooted in his love. But he's not only praying for that, he's also praying he says, listen, I pray that you be grounded, which, which, which speaks to a sense of building. And so wisdom, I'd like to suggest, calls us to build a life in response to his love. Now, I think our propensity is to build a life trying to get something, get somewhere. And Paul says, no, 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 let's learn how to build a life in response to everything he has already done. Everything he has already done. Let's be intentional about looking at, at what we're actually operating out of. And I just thought of, of this idea, and I, 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 there's been a tool in my own life as, as of late that has helped me consider this, that certainly helped me consider this several years ago. And it's this tool that Mike Breen created. It's called the Learning Circle. And I asked him to put this up there, and I thought I'd share it with you. And we could just walk through this um, fairly quickly, but the, the line at the top is, is really, and this is really just meant for us to have an intentional way of stepping back 
and taking a look at the root systems, the foundations of what we're actually building, and consider what his love may have to say. And so the line at the top is, is the span of our lives. And the X would mark the point in which the fruit we want to consider, the behavior, the experience, the situation, that we would like to step back and say, you know what, I'd like to examine this. What were the roots here? What, what, were, what was I actually operating out of? What was I basing my behavior, my response out of? And, and so we, we would take that example and we'd go to observe. And that's just meant to help us observe the facts. Let's just observe the facts. Let's try to be as objective as possible what factually speaking occurred. And once we get a handle on that, then can we reflect on this? How did we feel? How did, what, what were the thoughts going through us in this, in this experience, in this moment, in this situation in our lives? So, so we could reflect on this. What was, what was being revealed here through my behavior? What was going on internally? And, and once we get a handle on that, we discuss it, which assumes we are in conversation with a trusted friend or even with God in prayer, considering this simple question. In light of what we see now, what do we think God is trying to teach us? What is his love saying to us? What is he seeking to impress upon us? And so we, we discuss that. And once we get a handle on that, do you see how intentional this is? Now, now we have something to respond to. It's not simply as saying, simple as saying, oh, that behavior was bad, so don't do it again. Well, let's look at this. What is he asking of me? Well, then once we get a handle of what he might be asking of us, then we make a plan. This is how I plan to respond to what you're doing in my life, God. This is how I plan to behave out of a root system grounded in your love, out of a foundation that's responding to you. And so I plan that out. And then I invite some support. Will you just check in on me about this? Make sure that I actually follow through. And, and once we have this, we have a, you know, something of a check-in, nothing too... Uh, intense, just, will you just follow up with me? Then we act and we do it and we actually end up changing the trajectory of how we are living. Do you see how wisdom infuses? It comes out of the deepest parts of who we are. And so just, if we were to use my example of feeling threatened by my neighbors, these college students that sounded manlier than they looked and we would look at that, and we would look at observe, and we would say, you know what, let's, what are the facts? The facts, it was, it, was, it was dark. The light was out, so that made me feel a little bit more cautious. The facts were that I was afraid. The facts were that four guys were actually walking in the middle of the street loudly towards me. The facts were that they, uh, they, are, they were my neighbors. They weren't looking to rob me. That's fact. They, they were going home peacefully. Fact. Uh, so let's reflect on it. How did, how did I feel? Well, I felt afraid. I felt uh, anxious. I felt like uh, threatened, and I had to be aggressive. I had to protect myself and my family, my, my home, my wife. I had to protect. I felt like I needed to respond immediately. That's how I felt. So let's talk about this. Uh, what did God start, and, and this is just kind of our dialogue with my wife, a little bit more intentional, and with a friend of mine that I called who laughed at me at first, and then we talked about it, but what, was, what is God trying to say here? Well, firstly, it, it revealed that there are some wounds that needed to be addressed, the, some root issues that, that formed part of how I operated that God wanted to address. He said, listen, I, I want to address this. Will you allow me to redefine how you operate here? And what would that look like? Well, I needed to acknowledge that I didn't trust God to protect me, to 
keep me safe. And he was inviting me to reaffirm my trust in him. It's not to say that I could just care less and not be aware, but it's so different to respond out of a place of trusting him than one of being extremely afraid, isn't it? He was inviting me into this. He also reminded me, listen, you represent my heart. I have loved you so well. I ask you to love your neighbor and to be friendly, not aggressive. Uh, That needs to shift. You need to address that somehow. So I got a handle of what God was trying to invite me into, how I was supposed to respond. So I made a plan. Uh, It would be odd that evening if I got out of my house, walked across the street, knocked on the door. They they would get more scared, you know? (laughs) What is this guy? I mean, what's going on, right? So, no, that's not the best way to repair things. I probably need to have a more natural way of approaching them, introducing myself, getting to know them a bit. And so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I, they hang out in front of the house all the time and make up a reason, like take out the, the garbage, and, and my wife loved that. And, and then I'm going to go ahead and walk across the street and get to know them, say, hey, how's it going? My name is so-and-so. And that's exactly what we plan to do. Another thing is I had to pray. I had to intentionally pray, God, will you help me? Will you help me trust this anxiety over to you? This this experience that happened to me, will will you fill my soul with your love so my security is not based on my ability to defend myself, but on the fact that you watch over me and my wife. You are my defender. You say in your word, though, if God does not watch over the city, the watchman is there in vain. And so help me be secure. Help me be watchful, yes, but out of a place of trust. Help me pray, God, this, that this may break in me, that it may be softened, that your love would teach me how to respond. And so then I invited some support. My wife was sure to follow up with me, my friend as well. We prayed together, and then I acted. And I remember walking across, and, and as I made my way there, them stepping back a little bit and <laughs> introducing myself, getting to know them, and finding out they were from Southern California up here for school. And it was their first semester, not a good experience. <laughs> San Francisco. I remember just getting to know them and building somewhat of a friendship with them. And it was good. It was good. And can we see that when we look at what's going on in the deeper places of our lives, God may want to try to address the root systems, the foundations on how we're actually living this life out. And when we do that, when we do that, so much healing flows, doesn't it? But something else starts to happen. See, wisdom shows us that the life, and this is our third thought, that the life that is rooted and grounded in his love, it becomes a life that is full and secure. That it is full and secure. The life that is able to nourish itself not dependent on the environment or the people's opinions around us or our achievements or our success or our goals being achieved. None of that is able to feed us the way the love of Jesus is able to nourish us. And that becomes the point of our ability to be full, even in the confined places of our lives, even in the frustrating places where we may not have everything we want. Things may not be playing out exactly how we want it. And do we realize that the person who wrote this letter, who prayed this prayer, was a man who was imprisoned, writing from a place of confinement, saying to these believers in Ephesus, listen, I pray that God would fill your life with his love. 
Because our circumstances may not change. In his case, he was confined. No way around it. But his root system went down so deep into Jesus that he saw that confinement as an opportunity to speak to the jailer, to speak to the person watching over him about this one who had transformed him from the inside out. Could it be? That in our places of employment, in our friendships and relationships, in the different places of disappointment and frustration, that God's wisdom for us is to learn how to allow him to address the roots and the foundations of who we are so that he could transform us from within and that this nutritious love would fill our tree of life and produce fruit that is so good. And we become the people who go into different situations looking to refresh instead of seeking to be refreshed. We become the people who initiate grace and forgiveness. We become the people who become neighborly rather than aggressive. And the lens by which we view things shifts and the way we interpret things shift because we learn how to be grounded and rooted in his love. This is the... the the good news that Jesus longs for us to live out. It, it's almost like when we do that, it's only inevitable he will show up. Like, like the rays of a sun. It's so difficult to contain. It's like we'll, we'll explode through. In the same way, he longs to show up when we address the roots and the foundations of who we are. What, what a beautiful invitation we're given to learn how to be wise. The wise are rooted and grounded in his love. May we move in that direction this week. May our experiences, as we reflect and welcome God into them, become opportunities for us to respond as wise men and women rooted and grounded in his love. May this be the case. In a moment, we're going to have our time of giving, and the band's going to come up and share in a closing song meant to kind of undergird everything we've been saying. It begins and ends with the love he has demonstrated in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you, uh, you lovingly, graciously call us to, uh, to the deepest parts of who we are, God. And you, you, your healing touch is not just meant to touch the surface of our lives, but the wounds that may have been inflicted upon us or the experiences that may have traumatized us, the, the lenses, the scripts that we have been writ given, the, the words maybe that have defined us a certain way. And in your tenderness, you step into those places with us and you redefine them. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you, in a way, give us good soil, give us good nutritious food in your word and in your presence. And in your community, you give us wisdom to be rooted and grounded in your love. I pray that you help us do that. And I pray, God, that you would bear good fruit as a result. May this be the case. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>